It is First and Moose Super Bowl Reaction Podcast. I'm Connor Taylor. With me, as always, is Mark Schoenster. We've got a guest today in Sarah Brinsfield. How are you doing? What's up? I'm really excited. Um, I'm an avid listener. I'd say dedicated super fan. Dedicated super fan. Listen to every episode. So I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for having me, Connor. Yeah, you're claiming you're trying to get to the the top of our Spotify list and the top yes, listener. That is so, correct. Like I said, it's going to be tough. My iPod <laughs> Touch is on loop, always playing first and moose. So we'll see if you can hang with that. But I sure hope so. We we can uh we can jump into the Super Bowl. What a what a different game than I feel like probably anyone expected. Maybe the Bucks defense expected that, but I even doubt that from their side. But Mark, I guess my first kind of question is like, where where do you think this kind of Bucks defensive performance in a Super Bowl kind of ranks for you? Do you think this is one of the better defensive performances since you've been watching Super Bowls overall? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's probably one of the best ones I've seen. The only one that comes to my mind as far as a dominant defensive performance, the only two that really I think of are the Broncos against the the Panthers. But I think of that more as the run more than just the, the game itself. But the other one would be the Seattle Seahawks shutting down that record-breaking Broncos offense a couple of years back, the Legion of Boom. That's really the only other one that I think is comparable to just how dominant the performance was on Sunday. They... I mean, I mean, they, they had Patrick Mahomes running for four straight quarters. It was it was what I thought would happen last year when the 49ers played the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs in their insane pass rush. But I guess when you uh, are missing your two tackles, then it makes a crazy pass rush like the Buccaneers, uh, you know, just feast upon the the, uh, the green experience uh, of the outsides of that offensive line. It was unrelenting and uh if i remember correctly i saw a stat that if you count the scramble yards that patrick mahomes had in that game it was just a hair under 500 yards which is absolutely ridiculous and i mean if you want to say a quarterback was running for their life in a given game i think this is one where that was definitely the case yeah it was kind of weird because the game didn't feel like it was about the qb play at all and it is but the defense really, really shined through. And Todd Bowles, I mean, he only had to send four the entire game, which I thought was kind of, I guess, not shocking. I guess I didn't think that the two new, or I guess the uh, replacements weren't going to affect the O-line that much because Mahomes has done it all year. Yeah. And then it ended up uh, kind of really affecting the game. It was probably one of the, the biggest storylines, but – was was that really shocking to you, Sarah? Just the uh, the dominance by the the Bucks defense. Yeah, for sure. I think I was for some reason expecting like a more intense game in a way. Like it was intense in the first quarter because you know everyone's like, "Oh my god, it's a Super Bowl! Like this is so awesome! This is gonna be a good game." And then honestly, for me, like maybe four minutes before the first half, I was like, I think the Buccaneers definitely have this game. Like, they're not – I don't think they're going to let up anytime soon. Their defense is really feeling, like, that they're very in control of this game. I don't think it's going to change at all during the second half. And it obviously didn't. I mean, the um, Kansas City Chiefs 
like you could see and the score at the end of the game they did not do very well so Mahomes was pressured 29 times on 56 dropbacks but think about this and you mentioned the stat basically 500 scramble yards before he was sacked or threw the ball which is not especially since you could kind of tell he was hobbling at points. He was the turf yeah. turbo. Definitely seemed like it was affecting him or another hit during the game made something happen where he was a little off. But he was only sacked three times, being pressured 29 times. I think that shows a lot because I don't think really many other QBs besides maybe like a Lamar Jackson would only be sacked three times when he was pressured 29 times on 56 dropbacks. And then Another, it was, I believe, next-gen stats said the Chiefs ran a five-man protection scheme 92% of the time, which is third most by any team in the past five years. It just seemed weird that they were getting that much pressure and they weren't helping him very much at all. Yeah, you know, we said in our pregame coverage that Travis Kelsey might have to pick up some blitzers and they have to pick up some people throughout the game. And I guess I always knew that Travis Kelsey wasn't, you know, the most dedicated blocking tight end. I, I, I've i always been on the George Kittle boat as far as best tight end in the NFL because he, he's much more of a talented blocker. But even then, I was surprised because he's still a tight end. And you would think that in a game where you have so many talented linebackers who you only have to throw one more in into a, into a package of blitzers that it's going to wreak havoc. So I was shocked that you could even have him still run routes, just have him pick off a linebacker and then run a little – cut to the outside and it just it was strange and I, I don't know Connor there there are a lot of things about that game that it, it the Chiefs just didn't seem like they were ready for it and you, you could look at it from a couple perspectives I mean I think another one that's gonna be overlooked in a couple years from now when you look at the stat sheet is that the Chiefs wide receivers missed a lot of catchable passes and there are some that were blatant uh, there are a couple that they just flat out dropped. And there are some where they weren't the easiest catches, but they're the catches that the Kansas City Chiefs have made in these past few games, this past season, the past three seasons. And it, it was making me wonder just why are they just not in sync right now? And I mean, I guess the reason number one is that front seven of the Bucks because they were in their heads all day. It, it did feel weird with the, the drop passes. I mean, Mahomes... It's going to be one of those things where people are always going to say, this is this is the Super Bowl that I saw some of the best passes ever that ended up being dropped. It's going to be yeah. a lot because, I mean, he had the one where he was laying out. I don't know how he perfectly threw that into someone's chest. And he got Tyreek Hill dropped a pass, went to his face, Mac. I mean, Travis Kelsey dropped a pass. Those people don't drop passes, especially Kelsey. Yeah. Kelsey doesn't drop a pass very often. And it was it was kind of... It was kind of shocking, which is something after the game. I don't know. I the secondary played well to me, but the front seven is what won the the Bucks game for me. And it just seems like the secondary's been a little chirpy after after the media, which has been really interesting because it's like you guys did good, but that front seven wasn't getting after him. You guys don't really don't really deserve this. But Sarah, were you I guess upset shocked that they kept on dropping because everyone wants a good football game and then they were kind of just letting down america and mahomes from (laughs) finding a way to make these great passes no yeah i was definitely upset you know you're especially if you're a sports fan like like us so much that we 
are trying to make a career out of it, you want a good Super Bowl game at all times. So for, you know, the deficit to be that big in an NFL game, um, it's kind of annoying, but, you know, you still watch it just because it's a Super Bowl. But it was I was definitely annoyed, definitely screaming at the TV that, you know, if you're in the NFL, you should not be dropping those perfect passes to you. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I actively or I outwardly screamed when uh, I believe it was Daryl Williams, the one who dropped that uh, that pass from Patrick Mahomes superhuman effort to throw the ball parallel to the ground that he it when he dropped it, I just I, I screamed. I was like, how how did you let that go to waste? And even the previous play, yeah. uh, Mahomes like was getting thrown out of bounds and he just kind of spun and just launched it and it somehow hit the corner pylon it's just ridiculous the kind of stuff he could do and 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 sarah's right it's disappointing to see a team not put up their best foot forward for the biggest game of the season and uh if i know anything for certain uh we were not uh remiss doing our top 10 games of the season before the super bowl because i don't think that one was making Mm -hmm. it anywhere near close to the uh, to that list so it, it it happens though sometimes teams just don't show up we've been blessed the past like 15 years with some fantastic super bowls almost every single season we we haven't had too many duds these past uh these past few years and i think something i've been glad that i've noticed in the, the media world is no one's really blaming mahomes for the most part obviously there yeah. are some people but most people in their right mind realize this isn't on mahomes i mean Brady and Mahomes were playing different games. Like I said, Mahomes pressured 29 times. Brady was only pressured four on his dropbacks. That's the fewest of all his Super Bowls he's played in. So it's kind of those things like, yeah, they're playing football, but they're they're playing a different game, to be completely honest. Brady had it a lot easier. The scheme was working out. The protection was working out. And then Mahomes was under duress the, the entire game the entire game and it's it's not it's really not in Mahomes. I thought he played well we just talked about those drop passes where some of those passes were caught especially that Tyreek Hill one they would have been up it would change the whole dynamic of the game and I mean Mahomes didn't have his best game but I definitely think he put them in positions to to compete so but the penalties Mark I don't think it lost the game but it definitely left a sour taste on that first half I mean it just, it really just looked like some ticky tacky stuff. Uh, holding call took away interception. It, uh, Tyron Matthew, uh, the uncatchable pass on Mike yeah. Evans felt really bad. I mean, some of them were mental errors on the Chiefs with uh, lining off sides on a field goal, giving Brady a first down, which was not, it was very annoying. But an interesting thing was this officiating crew led the league in flags in 2020. And it definitely felt like that in the first half. Yeah, Connor. Um, <laughs> it was uh, at the point in time leading into half, my, my assessment was the rest are giving this game to the Buccaneers. And then the second half happened and mm-hmm. it, it proved that that was not the main storyline, but especially that final drive before halftime, after the chiefs kicked the field goal, and it was what three or four uh, holding slash defensive PI calls. 
including the the tripping call for whether the guy tripped i think it was bashad breland knocked down mike yeah. evans and it was just he he tripped on his feet which i guess you could call i don't know i I don't even know if it was a catchable ball. And then you mm-hmm. had the definitely uncatchable ball to Tyron Matthew in the end zone where I don't even know if it was pass interference or holding in the first place. Yeah. And then you had the holding call on the interception, which I thought was absolutely heinous. It was, it was a gifted seven points that definitely added to the pressure of the chiefs defense and the chiefs offense, which may have contributed to how they caved in in the second half. Because instead of it being 14 to six at halftime or 17 to six, it was 21 to six. And so you were kind of in a bad spot at that point in time. And that changes the way your head's running through halftime. And that changes the way you try to come out of the gate. And I mean, I didn't like the calls and I I don't like the NFL being flag happy. I quite frankly enjoyed the Packers Buccaneers game when they were just letting them play until they decided not to, but that, that's a story from another day. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless, when, when you get real touchy about that, it, it results in you missing calls that should have been called as well if you called that call, you know? And, and there are a couple plays on Chiefs drives where there probably would have been defensive PI if they were holding the teams to the same standard. But all in all, you are right. It did not end up affecting the outcome of the game. The, the Buccaneers steamrolled the Chiefs and – the Chiefs just had no chance offensively to ever really get into rhythm. And so regardless of if the penalties were maybe lopsided a little bit, it, all in all, the Buccaneers had that game in hand. Sarah, did you end up ever yelling at the TV? I did. I'm not a yeller when I watch most sports events uh, besides Duke UNC. I will. I will yell at uh, the TV for that game most of the time. But the Super Bowl, there was a – there's a couple of penalties that kind of made me yell because I really wanted Brady to lose. But was there anything, any of those penalties that just uh, really, really got to you? I I have to agree with Mark. The one before halftime with the tripping, where it it was not, it should have been called at all. Um, not that I was necessarily brooding for the Kansas City Chiefs. I was kind of just watching it as like a like a middle person because, you know, sometimes your team doesn't make it to the Super Bowl. Um, but definitely that one. I am a screamer when it comes to sports, no matter the sport, especially hockey, but I will definitely yell during football if something I see is just not what is supposed to happen. And that definitely left a little sore spot in me. I did not like seeing that flag being thrown for that, especially when it, it shouldn't have been thrown at all. So, yeah. Uh, another thing I want to talk about was just the, the Chiefs, too many mistakes. I mean, they had mental errors. We talked about the drop passes already. Penalties, we've talked about that. Questionable timeouts. I was, I was shocked, Mark. I don't hear your thoughts. I thought, was it third and one and third, or third and two, where they ended up calling another timeout, and it mm-hmm. left Freddie a lot of time. I think I would have – I get the, the reasoning there, and it's kind of like, oh, like it's always one of those situations where it happens, and then you look back reflexively. But in that moment, I was like, I don't want them to call a timeout. The, this half isn't going their way. It's not worth the chance of them getting points rather than you getting a shot at getting points. Were, were you for them calling a timeout there? I was definitely against it. When they called a timeout, I was like, okay, I understand that you could get the ball back with 30 seconds 
and, and have a chance to get a touchdown or a field goal before halftime, which could really sway the way things went in the first half. But you're right. The way that defense was playing and the way things were panning out for you in that first half, I think you, you, you pack it in, you, you go into half trailing by eight points or 11 if the, if the Buccaneers still get in the field goal range. But I think that pretty much holds them without a touchdown. And yeah, I, I can't say that I really like the call. I don't know even if in general, if I say I would like calling a timeout with only like 38 seconds left on the clock at that point in time. I think at that moment, if you have under a minute left in the half, you are just playing to run out the clock. If you get lucky and you get the ball back, I mean, okay, maybe you could heave a Hail Mary or something, but uh, there's not a lot of time there. And especially when I don't remember if they even had another timeout outside of that, but regardless, it, it just seems like that's, that's not even aggressive. That's just absurdly hopeful that you'll make something work out in that short little span of time when things haven't been working out again, mind you, in this game, you're going up against, which I guess is the best defense in the NFL, at least right now, the most dominant defense, at least. And I don't know. It's questionable on a couple of fronts. And I mean, it led to seven points because they had more time on the clock to get down there and, uh, it's a, a head scratcher for sure. I I was definitely I was not a fan whatsoever. Even I just didn't didn't get it to be honest because like you're saying, Mark, the the offense wasn't churning as well. I mean, I know Mahomes can do crazy things, but in that game, yeah. I didn't trust him to run a 20, 30 second drill. Uh, those are basically non-existent unless you have a QB mm-hmm. like Mahomes. But in a game like this, I thought there was there's zero chance and. Ended up having more mistakes, and that that into that first half felt kind of similar to that Packers first half, where it's like, all right, you're down, you you haven't played the best half, and then you ended up just uh, giving them more points. Where mm-hmm. honestly, the the Tampa Bay didn't earn those. I mean, they earned the points, but it was the t- other team's mental errors that kind of just handed over some yeah. more points, and then it's getting too big of a deficit. Uh, another thing, the punter. He was he was a little shaky, and they they uh, they mentioned it, which he was kind of a wow, to be completely honest. It there's some punts where they I don't want to say they felt like they kind of felt like interceptions to me, where like it was it basically just didn't travel anywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was I was like disappointed in that because special teams is huge, and I didn't expect it to end up hurting the Chiefs like that. Yeah, never underestimate the importance of. I mean, obviously everyone knows the importance of a good kicker, but a good punter is crucial because in a big game and in the biggest game of the season, quite frankly, when you have two good football teams, a game of field possession is huge. And I know that some people might overlook the the importance of the punter, but when you lose possession of the ball and the ball only goes 30 yards down the field, and then when they lose possession of the ball, the ball goes 50 yards down the field, that is a significant advantage, especially if that's happening over and over again, because then suddenly that, that yard difference of yards to the end zone, the gap between the two teams gets wider and wider and wider. There's a reason, uh, I don't remember if it was the 2010 uh, San Diego Chargers were the number one offense and the number one defense in the NFL and missed the playoffs because of their punting unit, their kick return unit, all of that. That just goes to show you that those things are important. And 
the field advantage is a massive aspect to both college and the NFL game. It was something that I really enjoyed when it came to watching the Washington football team is the punting game was really massive. It kind of looked like big 10 football with how you're just, you know, jockeying for a good field position so that maybe you can get a field goal or if you're lucky, a touchdown. And that's still applicable in games, even including high powered offenses like the Chiefs and the Buccaneers, especially when your defense is struggling to slow down that Bucks offense, putting their back against the wall uh, from the get go. It's just a, a, a poor way to put your foot forward on the defensive side of the ball. I know that Townsend punt that one didn't even make it cross half field. So it's just those those kinds of situations are begging for you to get scored on again. What do you guys think about Tom Brady's play overall in that? Just the, the Buccaneers offense. I don't think it's the the Bucs. I know Tom Brady won the Super Bowl MVP. And it's just, it's just going to most likely go to QB, mm-hmm. especially when, you know, you can make an argument for, for Shaq Barrett. But he just didn't have enough sacks for, for people to end up voting for. I know he had plenty of pressures, but people don't care about that as much as sacks. But – the, the offense, I thought, played pretty well. I mean, putting up 31 points should be close to enough, even if the Bucks defense wasn't that dominant to win a Super Bowl. Where, where does this line for, like, a, a Brady game for you? I mean, he basically just had to do what he had to do to win the I game. I mean, that's pretty classic Tom Brady. I mean, 21 of 29, just over 200 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. That's the big part. You never, Tom Brady never let the momentum swing in the Chiefs' favor. And that's the huge thing. And I mean, it wasn't some game wrecking performance, but it's the performance that won a Super Bowl. And if Tom Brady knows how to have performances where he doesn't give the other team chances, I mean, that's his trademark. So, no, he didn't blow up the stat sheet or, or throw the ball over creation, but what he did was effectively move the ball down the field without ever risking a turnover outside of one holding call that maybe should have been called or maybe should not have been called and would have been an interception. He, he played pretty mistake-free football and that's his style. And so, I mean, it was nothing that wowed me, but at the same time, this is what got them to the Super Bowl was not throwing 30 interceptions like Jameis Winston did last season and effectively uh, orchestrating an offense that has the pieces to get the job done for you. I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to force anything with this Buccaneers team. How'd you feel about Brady's and overall that Bucks offense play, Sarah? Um, I definitely agree with what you guys have said so far. Um, You know, it wasn't the, like the most incredible, like play that I've seen him, uh, do, but I think it's really interesting how he has that much trust in this uh, this team that he knew that they were just going to do or help him do what he wanted to do, which was just you know carry the football uh, and not let the Kansas City or Kansas City Chiefs like have anything. Uh, so that was really cool for me to watch. Um, just to see how good of a team that they had, even though that Brady's only been there for one year and it makes you understand that it like really, really Tom Brady is obviously a very good player, um, especially to go to a Super Bowl uh, first year there, uh, not really have that team chemistry that, you know, the uh, 
New England Patriots had over those spans and spans of years. So that was really interesting for me, definitely. And I think that's a good point thinking about, I mean, this, this off season, extremely weird and basically going to the season. A lot of people thought that the team that was a more veteran team and that had better experiences together and not new teams would, would develop throughout the season the best because the off season was basically non-existent for the most part compared to, I mean, it was over zoom and kind of Brady in the Bucks said, Hey, we were able to develop our team here and figure out a way. And then there's Leonard Fournette played pretty well. Gronk had a game kind of out of nowhere, which is funny because people love Kittle and Kelsey, but it was kind of, not Gronk saying like, hey, look at me again, but he, I feel like we talk about Kelsey and Kittle so much and forget how good Gronk was. But I want to talk about what does this say about team building? Because for a while, I would say the most popular way was to build a solid team around like a QB or around a on a rookie contract. But the Bucks are kind of showing that you can you can build a team and then go get the quarterback obviously both ways I think are, are great ways to do it but do you think maybe we're going to start seeing this happen a little bit more where teams don't say hey we can just wait on our QB we can have a transition QB I mean that's kind of what the 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 Panthers are doing right now they kind of have just a stepping stone right now with Teddy Bridgewater I mean do you think this will be more of a thing we see overall Mark you know Connor I I guess it depends on how much faith you have in general managers because my thought on the, the whole ver- QB then build or build then QB philosophy is just when do you find the right quarterback? Because if you're the number one pick in the draft and Joe Burrow is on your draft board, you're going to go quarterback first and then you build around the quarterback. But if you have a year where maybe it's Jared Goff at the top and a couple other prospects that obviously they look pretty good, but the fact of the matter is, is maybe uh, you're, you're feel, trying to feel out where your opportunity is to find that QB, because the fact of the matter is you're going to need one. You're, you're not going to win a Super Bowl without a decent to great quarterback. And wherever that guy falls into that line depends on, you know, the, the order of the rest of your team, because a good quarterback can, can elevate the rest of his roster. We, we kind of saw how a Bucks team that, outside of the addition of Tom Brady and Antonio Brown was mainly the same thing as they were last season. And that's a big difference there, but uh, you're getting at my point here, which is that you need a good quarterback, but sometimes one doesn't just fall into your lap. It's kind of, uh, I'll be quite frank and a little biased here. It's the situation the Colts are in right now, which is you're sitting at like the 24th pick in the draft and you're building up a team, but you don't have the guy. And so, it's just a matter of waiting until you have the opportunity to get the right guy for your, your team. And I guess the big thing is, is as general managers, do we have faith that they will actually be patient or will they start rapidly pulling the trigger on people who may not actually be a fit for their system? I'm going to go to say that for the most part, we're probably still going to see teams dive quarterback first and then try to build the team around before going the other way around but there will be some teams that are a little more pragmatic about it and uh, a little more patient and will try to wait and pull the trigger when you know their their pupils grow and they find the guy that they they want to pounce at and and get on their roster whether that be in the draft through a trade like the rams did with matthew stafford or 
through just free agent acquisitions when a player gets released. All in all, what should happen is you should wait until you got the right guy. But I have a feeling that most teams are still going to try to go quarterback first. I think a funny thing about the Rams is that they've kind of been on both sides of it now. I mean, they had, they had Jared Goff on a rookie contract built around him and now they've got the rest of the pieces that said, uh, see uh, Jared Goff and went and got Matthew Stafford, mm-hmm. which I agree, Mark. I mean, we just had an instance where the Carolina Panthers were trying to trade for, for Matthew Stafford and it doesn't feel like they're, they're ready to trade for a QB like that. They got a little yeah. bit impatient and say, Hey, we're, we're going to go in for it. But legacy, what does this add to Tom Brady's legacy guys? I mean, he's got seven Super Bowls. probably will be the most. I'm going to, I, I'm just going to say that. I assume yeah. he thinks it'll be the most. Yeah, Connor. I mean, the argument for the, the goat, as it were, it, it's, it's a conversation that I don't really like having. Now that might be just because it's Tom Brady is so heavily in the mm-hmm. conversation and I can't help but be better uh, against all of my, my attempts at objective judgment. But the fact of the matter is, is it's hard to gauge success in a game where at any given time, there are 22 players on the field. Like it's, it's just difficult to gauge impact when that's what's going on all around you. When you've got a, a barreling defense that's causing the other quarterback to run for almost 500 yards in the game. It, it, it's difficult to just say, ah, Tom Brady won the Super Bowl because he didn't. And you could go instance by instance every Super Bowl that any quarterback has ever won and go, oh, well, it wasn't just him. Well, yeah, it wasn't just him. It was a team game, which then leads to the question, well, then when do you just start counting all the times that he's been in this situation? How many AFC championship games has he been in where he was one of the final four teams? And and think, okay, what was the common denominator there? Tom Brady was in all of those games. And I don't like saying that, but I mean, if you're trying to go for the GOAT, then one of the only metrics that you can objectively measure by is how many Super Bowls did you win? Now, that's not always the most uh, effective way to gauge things. I've said it before. Is Dan Marino worse than Eli Manning? No. Dan Marino is much better than Eli Manning as a quarterback, but has no Super Bowls to show for it. And that's a great way to display, you know, that it's a team, team game. You can't just win by yourself. But with that being said, this really shows that Tom Brady isn't just a product of Bill Belichick. And I know that a lot of people probably knew that, but the fact of the matter is, is he gets plugged into a team that had the talent, had the coaching staff, and they just needed that rock in the center. Someone who is steady, someone who doesn't throw 30 interceptions, like I said earlier, someone who will fire the team up when they get down a point, when they get down a score, someone who will, after a bad game say hey we're we're gonna shake it off after they got absolutely blown the lids off by the new orleans saints they then proceeded to lose to the chiefs and lose to the rams and tom brady said hey we've got this we're all right this sometimes this happens and they were able to kick it back into high gear come out of the bye week and not lose a game for the rest of the season that's the kind of thing that he brings to a football team he's he's competitive he is consistent and he's not too swayed by emotions, which is a huge thing that Tom Brady has, even over other great quarterbacks, is just his ability to be unwavering. Uh, and this season has proven that away from the Patriot way and away from New England, where he's able to prove it with an entirely new set of people, even though 
his beginning in New England and his ending in New England, really the only the only thing that carries over is Bill Belichick in that span of time. It, it still further proves that this guy is a leader of the game and he inspires other players to step up and play really well, whether he's the goat or not. I mean, I guess that's up to your interpretation and up to your standards of what is the goat, but all in all, he's proven his worth this season. Does his Super Bowl accomplishments to you, Sarah, kind of feel untouchable at this point? At this point, um, I, 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 I think for now, yeah. Obviously, there's nobody else in the league who can has has seven Super Bowls. Just himself, he has more. You know, Super Bowl wins in the whole Steelers franchise. You know, so. Um, but I think there obviously will always, there'll always come a time when someone else, you know, says that I'm going to be not the next Tom Brady, but I'm going to be the guy that beats Tom Brady, um, in that sort of sense of I'm going to win more Super Bowls. So, you know, that time might not be now, um, but definitely in, you know, maybe like the next decade or the decade after that, there'll definitely be somebody else who is up to that standard of, winning seven or eight Super Bowls as one person, not just as a franchise. So I do have a quick question and it's a thought that I'm just running through my head right now. Would you rather not have anyone come close to breaking Tom Brady's Super Bowl win record or would you, because the thought process for me is, well, then it would be nice to be able to say, ha, Tom Brady doesn't have the most Super Bowl wins, but by the time some other quarterback has seven to eight Super Bowl wins, I probably am not a big fan of them either, just because of how boring it is to have a quarterback win seven to eight Super Bowls. Uh, I mean, what are y'all's thoughts on that? I don't know if in my lifetime I want to have a quarterback win eight Super Bowls. I'm trying to think what helps my argument more for him not to be the GOAT. <laughs> and I, th- I think it actually might be people not getting to seven. Cause I think then I can argue yeah. how weird it was. If someone else gets to seven or six or eight, then I think it becomes a little bit more normalized. And then we can say, Hey, maybe players, maybe a QB has a huge thing to do with this, which it does. But I mean, we're not here to talk about what QB play completely matters, but I, I think I'm, I'm fine with no one else getting there. You know, I, th- I think I am too. I mean, like you always hope that, these players like are able to get to that point but how I feel about Tom Brady is not how I want to feel about another player in my yeah. lifetime either so you know like I said you you hope that someone else is able to do that but at the same time I don't I don't know if I would necessarily enjoy seeing another person go to the Super Bowl like eight times in my lifetime yeah. it, it, it gets a little old I, I was looking at it during the game the past eight years, Tom Brady has been in every other Super Bowl and has won every other Super Bowl. Has won every other Super Bowl. He's even been in a couple within that window that he lost. And I just think this gets a little old. It's a little tiresome. Like I, I put so much love and respect for this game. And every other year I'm paid back with Tom Brady in the Super Bowl again. And I just it, – it, it's – I mean, accolades to him. He He makes the game frustrating to watch sometimes, and that's – entirely uh his goal yeah i can't wait to to tell my kids when a when a qb gets to three or four and be like well if you think this is annoying you should have <laughs> been alive when we were but 
It, 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 the GOAT conversation is interesting because, I mean, how many years has Tom Brady been the best player in football? Probably maybe three. I mean, this year he wasn't the best player in football, but he won the Super Bowl and then it adds to his his GOAT talk. So it's just it's a more interesting conversation in a team, such a heavy team sport like football. But let's take a break and we'll be right back. Have you ever wondered why everyone and their mother seems like they have a podcast today? Well, it's probably because there's over a million podcasts a day alone, and it continues to grow every single day. And you've probably wondered, how do I start a podcast? And you've probably thought, it's too expensive, I don't have the equipment, it'll be too difficult, I just can't do it. Well, let me tell you, you're wrong. There's a platform called Anchor, and it's the simplest way to make a podcast and I did some light background research for you. First off, it's free. There's creations tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Go make a podcast. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started that's a n c h o r dot f m to get started and we are back here's my final super bowl question before we we move on to some of the the entertainment aspects of the super bowl do we expect these two teams back do we think they can make a run again do we think the chiefs are going to be back do we think the bucks are going to be back Mark. Both teams are capable of doing it. Both teams. I mean, Tom Brady's already said he wants to come back and Mike Evans has already said he's willing to take contract cuts to keep some players here. So the Buccaneers are probably looking to run it back. And for me, the big thing is the defense. And that's every time you get a defense that's so dominant, everybody in the league wants their hands on a piece of that. And you know, you can say right now that you and the boys are going to get back together this next season and do some damage again. But what happens when Devin White suddenly has a contract offered for $70 million over in Jacksonville or something like that? Suddenly, it's a little bit harder to just say, oh, OK, I'll just take my regular contract right now when you could be making loads of money somewhere else. And you've already got the Super Bowl win. So it's not like you you're leaving a program before you're able to get get the big goal you know so we'll wait to see how this offseason goes because that Bucks defense has got to stay intact if they're going to make a Super Bowl run this next season they were obviously critical to them winning all four of their playoff games this season and then on the Chiefs side you know at the after the game was over I kind of threw my hands in the air and went man now we have to deal with an angry Chiefs team next season (laughs) AFC has to deal with the angry Kansas City Chiefs which as a Colts fan not a fan of granted. I don't know if the Colts are going to be competing for a Super Bowl next year, given our quarterback situation, but still I'd rather not play a, a, a furious Patrick Mahomes. So we'll see though, how they fix themselves because defensively they did not step up in this past game and their O-line, obviously they need to be a little more stout. Uh, that, that's probably priority number one, but defensively I think is a bigger issue just because all year we talk about how their defense isn't super impressive, but they make plays and then they just didn't. And suddenly, Oh, maybe they do need to build some, 
some pieces. They need more pieces on defense now. Both teams can make it back to the Super Bowl next, next season. Um, obviously, would not like both of them to get back just because that makes for some boring TV. But all in all, they'll both be deep in the playoffs next season, most likely. Kara? Um, I definitely agree with Mark. I think, uh, especially for the Buccaneers, I think they're all definitely going to think about, like Mark said, if they get offered contracts from these different teams, do they believe enough in Tom Brady? Which I, I honestly think that a lot of them would believe in Tom Brady enough that he would take them back there next year for a repeat. Um, I think they've been able to see what he can do with the Buccaneers in one year. So I think they have a lot of trust in him to do the same thing next year. Um, so I, I don't know. I personally don't think that there'll be a lot of trades from the Buccaneers. I think they think that they have Brady, so they're going to try to do it again. Um, Cause you know, it's a sport. So you definitely, you want to win. I, I think in terms of that, I think, winning a repeat is definitely more interesting more fun than you know going to another team just for money but I am not a NFL player I'm not an athlete so I cannot speak for them at all you're not (laughs) unfortunately no but um with the Kansas City Chiefs I think their their anger per se will take them so far into the regular season but I definitely agree with Mark that they definitely need to work on their defense to get back to the playoffs on so just the the Super Bowl I think they need a, a, a lot more work than um, the Buccaneers do so it is kind of the thing where it's like as long as the Chiefs have Mahomes they will be yeah. able to be in the discussion at least will they get over the hump who knows but and then on the, the, the Buccaneers side, we'll have to kind of see uh, – Bill Simmons puts it as for the basketball side as the, like, disease of more, which is when you win a championship, you just want more money, more minutes on the field, or I guess more minutes on the basketball court in that instance is his analogy. We'll have to see if these players want more of everything, basically. They care about money more. They care about playing more. They care about, you know, getting more numbers on the field and being more central part of the offense or defense – And that can affect, which is something that didn't really happen in New England very often because Bill Belichick was able to maintain a team very well for a long time. And they, that's why they got, that's why Tom Brady got six Super Bowls there is because players were able to buy into the culture there. We're going to have to see if that translates to the Bucs moving forward. But obviously, the Super Bowl has a lot of fun with halftime commercials introductions it's a it's a spectacle to be completely honest and it's it's fun to watch even for non-football fans the first thing i want to talk about was the the lombardi that was kind of weird to be honest i thought yeah uh, i mean i know there's a bunch of people talking about how robots are taking people's jobs but we're, we're getting to this point where dead people are taking people's jobs <laughs> and it's just funny because it's like we have so many good people that can intro something and be exciting. And we see the movies a little bit now where they just bring someone to life. And I know you can talk about ethics and whatnot, but I, I thought it was kind of weird to be honest. And I'm, and I'm a Packers fan. 
Yeah, I mean, there's so many legendary coaches that you could go to to, to give an impassioned speech, and instead you deep fake Vince Lombardi walking around the country. I just that it did ring me as weird. The speech itself and the presentation it was kind of neat, but the decision to actually roll with someone who is not exactly walking around this earth anymore questionable. And you're right. I mean, there's so many great coaches you could go to. I mean, there are some awesome head coaches that could give some pretty cool speeches and uh, instead you have to make up a speech for someone who's dead. That is a little, a little off color. (laughs) Definitely. Um, I thought it was like interesting to extent until he was like in the actual like stadium on just like a screen or whatever. And I was like, Oh, that doesn't, that doesn't, look very interesting but I think that you were definitely thinking um like yeah there's a lot of great coaches that are still alive obviously but you also have to think that there are also people who know absolutely nothing about football they're watching this game just because they're with people who know what football is you know and know everything but you know I think almost everyone has an idea at least of who this dude you know this dude is so like oh wait that's the blah 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 so they can somewhat relate to the game at, at least a little bit even if it's just like tiny things like that even though there's like for people like us it's like super weird that you bring this dude back from the dead just to have like a speech at the beginning of the game so I agree though I thought the the on-field like screen or whatever it was didn't look fantastic but it yeah, is, it is what it is. And I, I honestly think it's also interesting is it probably costs them more money to recreate Vince Lombardi than just pay someone would be <laughs> would be my thought. I'm pretty sure that spot's uh, not cheap to make. And it looks like they had to get some very fancy production company to <laughs> pour a lot of money in that. But commercials. Would you guys like? I, I personally think my favorite. I'm a big Will Ferrell fan. I thought the GM commercial, No Way Norway, was was pretty hilarious, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know if I could think of any commercial at the top of my head that I thought was great, if we're going to be quite honest here. None of them really struck me as one that I thought was, you know, truly hilarious, truly, truly fantastic. I did. It, it wasn't a funny commercial, but I kind of thought the... the um. The commercial, I don't even remember what brand it was for. So I guess it wasn't that good of a commercial if I can't remember the brand. But the the swimmer, as she was like swimming through her life and it went to the her getting adopted. I mean, I thought that was kind of a neat commercial that told a pretty compelling story. Um, and then I definitely had some commercials that I was not a fan of, but we can get to that one in a second. Um, but all in all, I, I mean, off the top of my head, I can't remember a commercial that I was like, wow, that was really funny. That was really great. I mean, that's the only one that comes to my mind, but it wasn't a great commercial if I don't remember the brand it was supposed to be selling. So um, all in all, it wasn't a bad year, but it wasn't one that had a couple of commercials blow me out of the water. Yeah, I definitely think in terms of commercials, like this is like an off year, obviously, because, you know, everything going on with the pandemic soon, not, not many uh, companies are willing to put out a lot of money to create good content for a commercial at least but um yeah I can't really I, th- I think I liked the the one for the the tv show that used country roads because every time it would come on I would like hum it and I'd be like oh my god I can't believe they're using it but then I realized that like not 
not many people will like understand what that is to us at least but I at least enjoy I enjoyed that commercial being able to hear it but you know there is I think someone on on Twitter was like we should be getting some sort of compensation for that (laughs) like if you're gonna pay the state of West Virginia (laughs) if you're gonna mention West Virginia you might as well like give us some money for it at least (laughs) any commercials that made you feel like brought the country together that there's some brand that that found a way to uh, unite america (laughs) we did it patrick we (laughs) saved the city yeah i i I don't know i feel like if you're paying a billion dollars to air a commercial during the super bowl and you're trying to say let's unite the world to kansas the center of the world uh, i uh I don't know. I, I don't think that's the way to, to truly uh, get people to bond together. This isn't the social justice podcast, but I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that a 20 second commercial isn't just going to suddenly make everybody hold hands and sing Kumbaya. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> there was a lot more, a lot more commercial, commercials than I thought that, that were trying to do that. I didn't think there was going to be that many that were actually going to do that because I feel like it's kind of cheesy to to do that in a year like this year so any any commercials you guys didn't didn't enjoy you're like oh not not my not a fan yeah um so first off I kind of I, I just remember the the oat milk commercial oh, I gosh. I thought that was amusing <laughs> a lot of people didn't like it it's not a good commercial but I thought it was kind of funny um and I remember someone saying, this is what happens when the CEO pitches a commercial and no one's scared and everyone's too scared to red flag it or to, to, to object. Um, but the other commercial that I thought was really strange was I think it was for like a car insurance uh, firm or something like that. And it was the commercial where the guy and the girl like walk into the office into like their their uh, manager's room. And the guy's like, I wanted to show her my opinion, blah, 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 blah. And, and, and she's like, we don't want to see your opinion. I was like, this is kind of, I don't know. This is not a good look. I don't know if I I like the joke that's being made here. Like that's a little weird. I I wasn't a fan of that. Like that was a little uh, that was a little gray area for me. Um, but and then there were other some some commercials that I was just like that was kind of dumb. But those were two that stood out to me. Yeah, I definitely have to agree about the oat milk one, uh, especially because <laughs> that one premiered like sort of early in the in the game. So you know, everyone's still intrigued. Everyone's still like watching seriously, and then to have that commercial come up, and you're like, "What is going on here?" But the good thing is, the good thing that came out of it is that it is an amazing Twitter meme that I've been seeing for for a little bit now. So I enjoy it in that sense. <laughs> Talking about Twitter memes. Oh weekend. yes, I was. I was seeing that. I was waiting <laughs> for you to say that. I was. I knew it was coming. Well, you got to segue somehow. But yep. he found a way to get a Twitter meme, and it's pretty hilarious. And you know, we finally had a day where Bernie Sanders isn't deleting Twitter memes. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. He's been leading for a while, and now I think it'll be the weekend for a while because it's it's a pretty it's pretty funny, but yeah. The meme and just the performance as a whole, what do you guys think? I thought it was cool for the most part, pretty good, but it, it's kind of, it was a little bit at points not upbeat enough for me personally. And I get it, it's weird because it's not a full stadium, but I'm not a huge weekend fan. 
and I don't listen to a ton of his music so maybe he just doesn't have enough music that's kind of like a big spectacle where it's like feels very up but upbeat the entire time because there's moments where I was like I want a little bit faster pace to this to this uh halftime show I think that's a fair criticism but all in all I I enjoyed the halftime performance mm-hmm. I know some people really haven't liked it but for me I've been pretty underwhelmed by the Super Bowl halftime shows for the past few years I just thought that you know you have all this spectacle and stuff but I just thought the performances weren't that good I thought mm-hmm. I thought he did a fairly good job and I thought he did a good job with the resources that they utilized yeah. I mean he had one stage uh, a backstage and then a bunch of crazy dancers who were wearing super weird masks that were kind of weird and freaky um i enjoyed it i thought it was a fun little halftime show it wasn't anything super over the top and i imagine some people probably were disappointed by that because that's kind of the nature we we associate with the halftime show nowadays but given it's a weird year um he had to throw a bunch of money into the the show himself and i don't know i thought it was an interesting performance yeah, I I enjoyed it, but it was very, you know, surface level for me. For me. Like, I just enjoyed it because, it, you know, it was at the Super Bowl halftime. Um, so, but the thing with The weekend is, is that you're right, Connor. He doesn't have a lot of upbeat music up until Blinding Lights. And even then, I was really upset because I was really hoping that they were going to do the TikTok dance. You know, I, I don't even know how to do it for Blinding Lights, but they didn't. And I was kind of upset. But um, I thought, yeah, I, I, did, I, I, I enjoyed it. Very surface level, though. I mean, it's also the same thing where I, I just don't really listen to his music at all. So I can only say, like, oh, yeah, like, it was okay. But I saw a lot of people were freaking out about it. Um, they're like, oh, my God, he's so good. I was like, okay. But I do think his meme... Um, will only be relevant for like a few more days because no meme can compare to Katy Perry's sharks. Yeah, um, that, that's, whenever, that's powerful. <laughs> whenever she did her halftime show, I don't think any meme will ever come close to that one in terms of Super Bowl memes. <laughs> I, I thought the intro was cool. Not really sure how that was done where he was like in a car and then something else kept on happening. I don't, I don't know how depth really works in art very well to be honest but <laughs> i don't understand me. i don't understand the three-dimensional world <laughs> i i thought it was i thought it was pretty darn cool and yeah. i i agree mark i think with what he had this year i mean i guess the reason they probably didn't have a stage on the field maybe COVID restrictions where the time it takes to set up you'd probably have to have people very close to each other for a long amount of time and because they just brought dancers on the field and they were all separated for a decent amount where I understand they all had masks and whatnot. So I get it. And I overall like the performance. Don't, don't feel bad. I mean, it wasn't my favorite by any means, but the weekend's not my favorite artist. So I didn't expect it to be my favorite. Another thing that happened though, is uh, you guys think uh, Tony Romo had a little so-called incident uh, in the, in the beginning where, he, I guess there's a pee stain or something possibly. Did do you guys, you guys buy into Sarah? You look like you, Mark doesn't look like he knows about it, but Sarah, do you, do you believe he, uh, he peed himself a little bit? Or no? I, I, I don't, I don't even 
even know what was going on there at that time, how nobody noticed it enough to be like, hey, um, maybe you should change your pants real quick. It looks like you might have peed. Obviously, the guy, he maybe just got a little <laughs> bit of water on his pants, but I no <laughs> I just don't understand how the people in production just yeah. were like oh I mean it's fine no one's gonna notice it <laughs> I'm looking at it now <laughs> this is this is astonishing um <laughs> I I was completely unaware of this controversy um <laughs> I mean yeah I think Sarah's right here this, this get, should get chalked up to someone should have someone should have noticed unless it Unless it like happened right then and there, and mm-hmm. there was nothing they could do about it, but like, <laughs> I mean, you're on camera for the Super Bowl. Like, I feel like you're getting assessed top to bottom. Like, people are making sure your shoes are shining up, even though they're only on camera for about three seconds on a stand up. Um, I feel like everyone is being super critical of how you look on the camera, and <laughs> and, and you miss that. That's that's interesting. Um, I feel bad for Tony Romo because, I mean, obviously that's that, that could be embarrassing depending on uh, how things go. Um, luckily for me, his commentary kind of distracted me uh, rather quickly because I thought he was a little a little over-enthusiastic to start the game, even though, yes, it's the Super Bowl, but he got very excited over very random things. And so maybe maybe people could talk about that instead. Yeah, I, I thought uh, the, the P thing, I, I mean – that happens to me sometimes where you walk out of the bathroom and you look down, you're like, great. But yeah. anyways, I, I agree, Mark, with the enthusiasm, which I get the reason you're you're in these places. Like no one's going to get a top color or play-by-play job for the NFL if you're not pro NFL. But there's times where he just seemed so pro football during this thing. Like he, he wasn't even like willing to say, oh, that's a bad call sometimes. Mm-hmm. He would just be like, well, you know, they did touch him or something like that. He just seems so pro the shield at pretty much any moment. So excited, which I get for Super Bowl. It's exciting. But I think I, I, I agree with you, Mark. I think he could have maybe toned it down a little bit at points and maybe, you know, threw in something that was not negative, but just, you know, was open and honest about a, a bad call or something. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He, I mean, there were times where he agreed with some of those calls that I've said I disagree with, and then there was a hold that he disagreed with. That I mean, the guy had him around his neck. Like I, I didn't understand that. It was he was a little weird. Um, but you know, sometimes commentators have off days, and I guess I mean when you have the pressure of a Super Bowl, you, you're you're trying to put on your best show, and maybe you just uh, you had some moments slip through the cracks. Well, that's going to that's going to wrap it up for our Super Bowl reaction to Super Bowl 55. Wasn't the Super Bowl that probably everyone hoped for, but still was good and overall the quality was good overall. But thank thank you for joining. Thank you for joining Sarah unlike uh <clears throat> Seth, but <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun. It was very fun. Yeah, and this is going to be uh, Mark and I's last time for a little bit, but don't uh, don't unsubscribe from the feed because we've got some some cool things for the offseason. So don't go anywhere. This has been First and Moose for U92 The Moose with Connor Taylor and Mark Schoen. So thank you for listening. Thank you.